How are we doing out there, Tampa Bay? Derek Sharp got the show for you. We've got plenty to recap from the weekend, stretching back to last Friday with the end of the women's basketball season and, of course, with the continuation of baseball and softball. Actually, quite a few things happened on Friday, starting with our game and then a couple games that we did not broadcast for you, but you're definitely going to hear highlights of here. We also had track and field, golf, tennis, so a lot of action to recap. And, yes, the end of the women's basketball season Frankly, I just kind of had a feeling it was going to be a tough game against Miami, but only because the Canes were playing well and they had a trio of players who were pretty dangerous. Funny enough, none of them really did anything. It was the other guys from Miami that hurt the Bulls in Friday afternoon's first game of the real first round of the NCAA tournament. They lose by the score of 78-66, and that first number jumps out. That is the most points the Bulls have given up all season, 78, and simply put, Miami could not miss. We talked about Destiny Harden on Friday's show and how she took over their upset win against Louisville with the last 15 points of the game. She averaged eight points a game. She scored two points in this one. Kelsey Marshall, who is their dangerous three-point shooter, sure, she hit a bank shot early in the game, but she was just four for 10 and scored 12 points. And the other player we highlighted, Jalea Williams, she did about what you'd thought, but from a scoring perspective, didn't hurt the Bulls. 10 points. What really hurt was they had players coming off the bench that really, frankly, weren't expected to do much. Lachey Dwyer, a third string, really, point guard who played all of 30 seconds in the ACC tournament, scored eight points in the first half against the Bulls as Miami was simply putting stuff down. They had a player who, it was our only shot of the game, but she still scores a basket on a late shot clock situation as in the first half, Miami made 19 out of 31 field goal attempts. That would be 61.3% if you need that. It started right from the beginning. They made their first three shots. They made four in a row later to get to 10 for 15 on the game. They made four in a row later to get to at one point 18 for 26 on the game. And that's when the Bulls were down 42-23 to in the first half. Miami would score at least 20 points in each of the first three quarters. We are replaying the game on Bulls Unlimited, too. I would say make sure you listen to the end of the first half, start of the second, because it went from a 19-point game to 11 at halftime. Eliza Pinzon and Sidney Harvey both hit three-pointers. It was a great first half for Elena Chinecki and a great second half for Elisa Pinzon. The Bulls actually shot threes. Remember, that was the problem when they had struggles this year. They hit nine for 22. They were fine in that category. Chinecki outstanding in the first half with 17 points. Pinzon in the second with 14 points. But that hot shooting by Miami and give them credit, they kept making clutch shots whenever the Bulls started to get a sniff in this game. Their point guard, from Croatia, Karla Erjevic had a nice game, one shy of her season high. She hit two back-to-back shots after the Bulls had cut it to an eight-point game. Dulce Fankamangiati was starting to get things going early in the second half, but a three by Erjevic and a 15-footer by the same player kept it above single digits, and the Bulls really could not get it below the rest of the way. After the first quarter, they actually outscored Miami by a point, but that hot start had them down 24-11. to 11. And here's what Coach Jose Fernandez had to say to me afterwards. Coach, I guess it's as simple as a red-hot shooting. Maybe for some guys on their team that you weren't expecting to hit shots today, right? Oh, well, we, you know, we talked about we won two quarters, you know. Hmm. The other, another quarter was a two-point. It was a, it's a, they shot the ball extremely well, and it was uncharacteristic for us. We didn't defend well, you know. So... Uh, give them a lot of credit. I, you know, NCAA tournament guys showed up for them. We can't, 
We had some guys not show up for us on both ends of the floor. That can't happen. 60% they were until the very end of the third yeah, quarter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really account for that. Uh, do you think this is a Miami team that if they shoot anything close to that can give South Carolina a test in the next round? Well, they got some big big guys down there, but they shot the ball extremely, extremely well. On your end, uh, what did they do on Ellen the second half? Because she looked like she was going to go off for 30 Well, they, 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 shot, they, they shut some driving lanes down. They did a good job. Last thing, Coach, just overall thoughts on the season. Obviously, we had some highs, but not how you wanted it to finish. Yeah, definitely not how you want how, how it to end. You know, we were very inconsistent at times, and it showed. Inconsistent was a good word, and again, as the season got to the end and then the games started to ramp up in importance, that bench really shortened. Once again, it was basically a six-man bench. The Bulls ended up emptying the bench at the very end, but nobody outside of the first six played more than four minutes. On the other side, you had seven Canes go at least 13 minutes, and a couple more played eight and nine minutes, and that was a big situation for the Bulls. Bench points 29-9 in favor of Miami. They had players, as I said, that you weren't expecting to score, score, but at least they were confident enough to put them out there. Jose Fernandez, and he, like I said, shortened the bench. Not the case for the Bulls. Both Betty Menunga and Dulce Fankamangiati had six points and eight rebounds, while Chinecki scored 21 pins on 19, both on 7 for 16 shooting. Good to see Sidney Harvey get three three-pointers. She had been struggling on and off, mostly having issues with shooting, but that wasn't the problem for the Bulls. It was not the best defense in some cases. They did turn the ball over seven times in the first quarter, but just six the rest of the way. So there were some fast break buckets that helped get Miami the lead. But again, they were hitting a lot of mid-range jumpers and three-pointers when it mattered in this one. And of course, in the second half, they cooled off just a little bit. But until they missed the last shot of the third quarter, which was a three that looked like it was going to go in but rimmed out, they were right above 60%. They ended up 53.6%. Bulls shot a fine number, 9 or 11 from the floor. But it can happen. You can lose heartbreakers in the NCAA tournament, or you could just run into a hot team. And let's be honest, had the Bulls won, they would have had a very, very difficult task in their next game against South Carolina, which, if you missed it, on Friday afternoon, held Howard to a four-point first half. That's right, 44-4 to in winning 79-21. And quite naturally, Miami wasn't quite shooting the hot number against South Carolina. Try 15 points through the first three quarters. And Maeva Jaldi-Tabdi, who was kind of getting on my nerves with her propensity to score, she actually added 10 points off the bench. Kept it going against South Carolina. She was 5-for-11 on threes, 15 points. But the rest of the team... Yeah, not as good. They shot 11 for 46 from the floor. Actually did a good job defensively on South Carolina, to be honest. Final score ended up being 49 to 33, but through three quarters, it was 31 to 15. So yes, the Canes put up at least a 20 spot in each of the first three quarters against USF. They didn't get to 20 until the fourth quarter against South Carolina, which moves on to the Sweet 16. The rest of the NCAA tournament second round is today, and Sweet 16 will be set on that side, of course, on the men's side, it is already the case. Remember, we do a conference show around the American. It'll air later on Monday afternoon. We will tell you what went on with basketball in the conference and the other sports, and that's the beauty of life, and especially in sports life, you get to move on to the next one. And we actually landed Friday night right when baseball was doing its thing against Mercer. We told you on Friday's show, a 15-2 and team. 
great offensive numbers, but they had racked up against some weaker opponents, and they had played all their games at home. So coming to USF, would it be different? Well, Orion Kirkring had a good start, but gave up an unearned run in the first inning, and the Bulls couldn't get it going offensively. So it looked like Mercer was going to win a lower-scoring game until bottom of the fourth. Roberto Pena hit by the first pitch. Then really some dribblers that just got through the infield by Jackson Mayo, Matt Ruiz, and Daniel Cantu with the bases loaded, just chopped one up the middle, and the Bulls had the lead. Nice sack bunt by Nelly Rivera. Carmine Lane, an RBI ground out, but with two outs and a pitching change for a lefty-on-lefty matchup, the Bulls add to their now 3-1 lead. 3-1 Bulls in the bottom of the fourth. Towards center. Hit pretty well. Knight started in again. Going back, going back. That ball's gone. Drew Brutcher, home run number seven. That didn't look like it had enough, especially to that part of the ballpark, but it did. RBI 20 and 21 for Brutcher. Man, he can make an innocent-looking opposite field shot go over the wall like that. It was very impressive. Now Mercer got one back in the top of the fifth inning, so the game wasn't over yet, 5-2. to two. We talked about dribblers. Things changed in the bottom of the fifth after a 3-2 walk to Roberto Pena with one out. About three extra base hits in a row. That'll bring up Jackson Mayo, one for two with a run scored. He dropped a single into shallow center field in that five-run South Florida fourth. This ball hit well towards center. Knight going back, warning track wall, and it's over his head. It'll bounce off the wall. Pena is going to be waved home. Throw comes into third. Mayo is safe there, and it's 6-2. to two. Jackson Mayo with a triple. That'll bring up Matt Ruiz, who's 2-for-2 two two with a run scored. Bulls now with six hits, five of them in the last two innings. This ball driven toward the corner and right. That ball is going to get down and bounce out of play for a ground rule double. That ball is driven into the gap. That's going to be extra bases. Cantu digging for second. He'll be in safely. It's 8-2 South Florida. Cantu's third RBI of the game. Bulls' third extra base hit of the inning. Mr. Carmine Lane would add a sacrifice fly RBI. Bulls would just have one more run. It was another homer for the freshman Jackson Mayo, and they get the win. Ryan Kirkring now 3-1. and one. He went six innings, struck out seven, walked a few, but just two runs and just one earned. His ERA is at 2-2-5. And Devin Hemingway went the last three for the save. Oh, yeah, he got some help at the end of the eighth inning. To get Austin here, though, with two outs and the bases empty in the count three and two. Bouncing ball to short, knocked down by Ruiz, comes up throwing, and they get the out at first. Terrific play by Matt Ruiz. It's three up and three down once again. Little defense from Ruiz at shortstop. So that was nice to see. I actually got to see the Mayo homer and that Sports Center worthy play after we got back from Columbia, South Carolina. And then the weekend came. We had plenty. In fact, there was some stuff Friday afternoon from softball. You'll hear an amazing moment from that game. Plenty of softball, definite mixed results, including a stunning loss for the Bulls on Sunday night. But yes, before that, a stirring victory for baseball with Jay Retcher on the call. Well, we should probably mention what happened on Saturday. 
That was the game where, again, Jay was on the call after the Bulls scored a 10-2 win in the opener where the bottom of the order had nine of the 10 hits, including three each for Mayo and Ruiz. They couldn't get it going offensively, and Dylan Vega struggled with the start on the mound, three innings, six hits, four runs. Caleb Punsack would give up eight hits and six runs in one inning as Mercer blew it open with seven in the sixth. Bulls did get four in the seventh, but they lost the game 14-6. to six. However, the good news is on Sunday, Jack Jasiak, who had a mild injury, couldn't pitch last weekend, was back. Now, he was on a pitch count and didn't get to go very deep in this game, but the fact that he went three and a third innings, and really two runs, but just one earned. There were three errors by the Bulls, one on one play by Matt Ruiz in the first inning as Mercer took the lead, was a positive sign. So were the performances of Hunter Mink, three and two-thirds innings. He did walk four, but he still has not given up a run. And then Nolan Hootie pitched the last two innings and got the win. Why? Because the Bulls, who were down 2 nothing going into the bottom of the ninth, won. Now, they didn't have many chances to score in this game, honestly. They only stranded five, but they hit into double plays in the sixth and the seventh. So you figured that was going to be that. And then Mercer brings in its closer for the ninth inning, Luke Sutko. And by the way, their first two pitchers, Josh Farmer, went the first five innings, has a below one ERA. The next kid comes in, pitches three innings, a .5 ERA. So it just seemed like, if you're Mercer, that this was going to be the end of a series victory against the Bulls. But the ninth inning did not go Mercer's way. It began with a lineout, and then Matt Ruiz a single on an 0-2 pitch. Two walks, followed by Daniel Cantu's sack fly RBI, brought the Bulls to within 2-1. to one. Then Joaquin Monquet was hit by a pitch to load up the bases. However, there were two outs. We turn it over to the call of Jay Retcher. This was pretty scintillating. Bulls trailing 2-1. to one. Bases loaded here in the bottom of the ninth. Jared Eaton, your batter. It's been an interesting year for Eaton. Starting in left field. Jackson Mayo has played a lot more now because of how well he's played. Jared scuffling a little bit. But it hasn't deterred him from working hard and making the most of his opportunities. Here's the 1-2. Oh, it gets to the backstop. Here comes Mayo. He's going to score. We have a tie ball game. The Bulls never say die. Mayo scores on the wild pitch. Roberto Pena slides up to third. Monquet slides up to second. Now Pena the winning run on third base. Tie ball game. Twos are wild. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Game tied at two. A let's go Bulls chant as loud as possible today. Here's the 2-2 to Eaton. That ball's inside. Gets, oh, it hits him. Back to third it goes. That one looks like a, that was rough to tell from my vantage point. It looked like not only did it hit Jared Eaton, but it also hit the catcher, Colin Price. Ouch, that one hurt. So, because it's supposed to be this way. Carmine Lane now strides to the plate, bases loaded. Two outs, bottom of the ninth in this 2-2 game. Carmine Lane was the hero last week. 
Let's see if we can do it again here. Carmine one for four today. And you hear the Let's Go Bulls chants. Succo gets the sign. Deals. That's a fastball down and away. Ball one, one and oh. Carmine Lane, do it all for this Bulls club. Batting leadoff, not your traditional leadoff hitter, but that does not matter. Again, right guy, right spot. Here's the 1-0. That ball hit right back up the middle. It's a base hit, and the Bulls are going to win it. Carmine Lane is your hero again. Usually sequels aren't better than the original. I'll take both. The Bulls win it 3-2. Carmine Lane, your hero. Back-to-back -back weekends. What a comeback victory for the Bulls. And I was able to sort of scoot out of the softball booth and get on down there, field level for baseball, anticipating, hoping for something similar to what happened. So if you want to see the video of the tying and the winning runs, I put that out on my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. And, of course, another important win because it finished another series victory, make it four weekends in a row where it's come down to that last game three times, along with the sweep against Stony Brook. No small thing. You want to rack up as many wins as you can and try and get that NCAA tournament bid. They are 13-7. and seven. They'll play FGCU on the road tomorrow. We will not do that broadcast. We'll be staying home for some softball. And then they host Niagara the following weekend. Conference play begins to start off April in the war on I-4. Carmine Lane keeps it going. He's got a 376 batting average. Drew Brutcher's at 347. They, between them, have 12 homers and 48 RBI. And Jackson Mayo, now becoming a regular, is hitting 333 and is up to three home runs. It will be interesting to see if Brad Lord gets back into the pitching rotation. He did not pitch after struggling as a Saturday starter early in the season. We'll recap the FGCU game on Wednesday's show. We will not do a show tomorrow. going to give myself some of Monday slash Tuesday morning overall. Off. It's been kind of a busy time, and we called a lot of action this weekend. 